Hey there, this is Larry, and I'm here with Armin. You're about to listen to a great episode. But before you do, we want to let you know that we're now podcasting over at the Bold Idea Podcast. That's right, and we're not adding any new episodes to Reinventure Me, but we think you're really going to like what we're doing on the Bold Idea Podcast. We're interviewing some great guests and packing ideas and inspiration to help you put your faith to work to bring your idea to life. So when you're done with this episode, go check it out at boldideapodcast.com. Episode 67 of the Reinventure Me podcast. Some of the greatest tests of our faith are in the very places we work. Your faith matters at work, and we'll be discussing why with the author of God is My CEO, Larry Julian. Thanks for joining us. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Reinventure Me podcast. I'm Larry Gates along with my co-host, Armin Asadi. And we have a very extra special thing super. happening today. That's right. We've got we, a superstar. we got a superstar, but a good <laughs> friend of both of ours. Yes. And I think this is the first time, is it not, Armin, that we've had a show guest that we both know yes. and known for years yes. and admire what he's done? I, yes, I bow down to this man a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a great guy. You're going to find out why in just a few minutes. But we want to tell you that if this is your first time with this podcast, we are all about discovering the way you can reinvent your life, the opportunities and the ventures God's called you into. You know, we are all called to change. And this is the Reinventure Me podcast, the podcast for what's next in life. And I haven't said this in forever. What? <laughs> well, because we should never stop asking what we're going to be when we grow up, right? That's right. You haven't said I that. I haven't in a said that in a long time. That's so fascinating. I don't know why you haven't. I don't know either. But I can't think of a better show to resurrect that little tagline with because, you know, our guest is really a guy who knows how to bring faith into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And he has counseled many people on that. And he's done a lot of research around it and talked to a lot of people who are really, really good at it. That's right. And we can't wait to talk to him. So, Armin, why don't you tell us about our guest? I would love to. So today our guest is a friend, a mentor, a man who I absolutely look up to and adore. His name is Larry Julian. He's a best-selling author. He's a speaker and executive coach. He's got about two decades worth of experience helping CEOs. And when I say CEOs, I mean some of the biggest names that you will see in business, entrepreneurs, like me and small business owners successfully lead their faith um, and values in their workplace. And he even has time for hanging out with other guys. He like does. Me. He does. He has time for me <laughs> while I make fun of him sometimes in terms of technology. He's authored three <laughs> nationally acclaimed books. God is my CEO, which I assume everybody's heard of. God is my coach, which is another book. And then God is my success. He's recently done a second edition of God is my CEO. And he founded and leads what's called the Leadership Roundtable. If you're in Minnesota, you're going to want to know about this. We'll talk a little bit about this in this interview. But he is my friend, Larry's friend, our mentor, Larry Julian. Well, welcome to the show, Larry. Hey, it is absolutely great to be on your program. Well, it's good to have you here. It's only taken, what, 67 episodes, but we got it. <laughs> Hey, you know, Larry, we talked before the show that we always like to try to find something that can inspire our audiences. And I particularly enjoy it when we have our guests 
tell us what inspires them and quotes that they've been inspired by. And I love the one that you picked for today's show. Could you share it with us? Absolutely. So yes, my inspiration and the quote today, and which I use every day, comes from the Bible in Joshua 1.9. He states, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And personally, that is a quote that I probably go to maybe three or four times a day, Mm. because uh, truth be told, I'm a scaredy cat. There's a lot of times where it's either I'm terrified and I want to run away. And what inspires me is that to keep going, I need to know that the Lord has my back. And wherever I go, even in making mistakes, He's with me. Yeah, that's and great. And that provides me a lot of encouragement. Yeah, that's great. I remember I had a conversation with a CEO, prominent name here in town, and you probably know him. I won't mention his name, but he told me over a lunch meeting, he says, Larry, every day I wake up in fear. And I'm guessing you probably see that a lot with the executives that you coach and people that you've talked to. You know, I do. And the revelation for me, you know, I've been doing this business for over 20 years, and I would say what would be the number one issue that not just leaders, but everyone faces, is the fear. And there's a rather ironic twist to it because, you know, we're called to venture forth and therefore take a risk into the unknown. And so with that requires a lot of courage, but also, and I can relate this to myself, I'm a comfort zone guy. I'd much rather be in the comfort zone than be uncomfortable going into the unknown. But particularly for leaders, when you have to lead an organization and you're not just you're on the line, but many others, fear plays a major role. And so part of leadership is how do you overcome that fear? It's a very big issue out there. Yeah. And what a great verse and a quote to start us off on this episode with respect to that. You know, we're talking about integrating faith at work and part of the blueprint for this, at least in terms of your life and a lot of the coaching that you do has been around your book, God is my CEO. And In that book, you talk about some of the 10 challenges that business people face and some of the ways in which they can integrate their faith in their workplace. And it seems to me, as I look over those challenges that you wrote about in that book, a lot of those things really center around this question of fear anyway, don't they? You know, they do. They do. They do center around that whole issue about fear. And, you know, it's interesting in terms of if you look at the Bible where it says perfect love casts out fear. There's an interesting correlation to that in terms of do you really feel the love and the acceptance of God or is there a level of fear that you have that's coming from yourself and is it real or is it something that is in your own mind? Mm -hmm. And so that's something that business leaders face all the time and probably the revelation that I've had now 20 years later, I used to think that the issue was, you know, you pray to God on Sunday and you went into a different culture Monday through Friday and it was the circumstance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 20 years later, I think that I would modify that slightly or maybe more than slightly, that it's really the internal battle that we have in our minds that is the major issue and not the circumstances mm, and not good. to take away the circumstances. But I think I've seen more often than not, it's the battle from within. Yeah. And so describe some of that battle. What do you see that looking like for an executive that's trying to live authentically out of a Christian worldview in a workplace that may even be hostile to it? Yeah. 
Well, there are a whole bunch of factors. I would say one of them, and this is something I grew up with, the adage, never share your soft underbelly. Because if you do, you're going to get burned by it. Mm -hmm. And so most leaders have been trained from early from college to moving up the ranks to in leadership positions is never show that vulnerable side. Mm -hmm. And so they, as a result, oftentimes they struggle alone. When I found now, 20 years later, that it's quite the opposite. If you have the courage to be transparent and even be vulnerable, that you gain credibility. You're more of a leader showing your weakness sometimes than hiding it. So it's an interesting, ironic twist of what I've seen over the years. Yeah, there used to be that Captain Kirk syndrome, right? Where you had to look like you had all the answers. The leader has all the answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that creates a lot of pressure anyway, doesn't it? I mean, that's part of the challenge that I hear people say, well, I'm not really a leader. And what I hear by that is, I hear that they're expressing unconfidence in how they might be able to lead because they don't feel like they have all the answers. And it seems like they're stuck in the wrong paradigm about what leadership really is. You know, I used to think the same way that a leader, my view of leader, which has been sold by the media from when I was a kid, I remember watching Charlton Heston and, you know, the parting of the Red Sea and the leader was this handsome, strong guy and this <laughs> flowing hair and leading them. <laughs> you just you described know, our the promised land. <laughs> what the reality of it is, is that, you know, that's the persona of a leader. And the reality of it is, is that courage is oftentimes very understated in terms of moral courage, being able to lead others, even when you don't know exactly where you're going. Being transparent and sharing exactly what the situation is with others. And rather than putting on a facade is this whole aspect of authenticity. You know, people talk about it a lot, but do they really demonstrate it? And I still believe today it's rare. I completely agree. Larry, I'm backtracking a little bit here just in case there's somebody listening who is not familiar with you. And I just want to be able to give them some context around who you are and why you have been basically the pioneer in writing about this whole integrating work and faith. I mean, I know you just came out with the second edition of God is My CEO, which has been globally renowned, but when did you first write the first edition and why? Yeah. Thanks for asking that question. You know, it was 1992. You know, my story is, is that I was born as a Jewish kid from Brooklyn, New York. And of course, the Lord has a great sense of humor that now, of course, I share Christian faith to business leaders, and particularly in Minnesota, of course, which I say it's my journey from corned beef on rye to tater tot hot dish. You know, it's a very interesting <laughs> it sounds like a downgrade. Uh, journey that I've been on. I, I, I kind of think you're in the but, wilderness. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I, that's right. I was in the wilderness. But, you know, I, it's funny how the Lord works is that when I came to Christ, at the time, I was doing a ton of board retreats doing leadership development, but particularly board retreats where the majority of them were highly contentious, very draining, very difficult. And it was just frustrating because they would come together in terms of doing strategic planning, but there was always different agendas in the way. And when I came to know the Lord, I said, well, the answer would be is that they would just know Jesus Christ, everything would be fine. And the issue is they didn't hire me to share Jesus Christ. They hired me to solve a problem. And so 
I, in an ironic twist of fate, I got hooked up with an organization of this one gentleman that was ministering to major corporate CEOs in the Twin Cities. And I was putting on these CEO discussion groups because as a trade, I was a facilitator. And the revelation that I found really being a fly on the wall was these guys can pray to God on Sunday, but Monday through Friday, they walked into an entirely opposite culture and they did not know how to reconcile the two. They were clueless on that. And that's where I felt this call to write God is my CEO is a whole other story because that was kind of a crazy calling. I've never written a book. I don't even like to write letters. So it was a pretty strange situation. Well, you did pretty well for not wanting to write letters and cranking out three best-selling books. Right. Well, thank you. And me being a millennial, I have to ask this question. So what were the main insights that you gained from the second book after you interviewed 20 additional leaders? Because I know after you came out with the second edition. I think the biggest insight that I gained was the level of transparency and humility of the leaders that I was interviewing. So what I did I wanted to reach the next generation leader. And I went to 20 new leaders and I asked a simple question. I said, like the Apostle Paul to Timothy, what would be your famous last words? What would be the most important advice you would share with that next generation leader? Oh, that's good. And I was very surprised. I was expecting the, you know, here are the three steps to success type of a thing. I was humbled by the fact that they were humble and shared from the heart on what was the reality of them becoming a leader. So there were some very interesting stories. Some of them were, you know, how there were defining moments in their life where, you know, where faith intervened and it changed the trajectory of their life. Some of them were like Jacob Marley's where they were coming back and saying, hey, don't do this. I did this and I'm paying for it now. And I just appreciated the level of humility in which they honestly wanted to share the true meaning of leadership behind what the media message is, where it's all about money and success and getting ahead. Let's talk about our means of the world, you know, the millennial up and coming rising leaders. And what are some of the pearls of wisdom or insights that you've gained in talking to all these other CEOs that you want to push out, push forward? What's the key kind of things that you want to tell them about how they can live out their faith in the workplace? Because God knows we need it. That's right. <laughs> well, now in context, you have to know that by my nature, and if you guys know me, by nature, I'm a little slow. <laughs> so <laughs> <What>? so <laughs> that's not a bad thing. Okay. You know, I did a thing like most CEOs are hares and I'm clearly a turtle. I'm serious. And so part of that, I find it an ironic twist that somehow God, for whatever reason, has placed me with these CEO hairs. And I think part of it is, is that they need a turtle to have them hit the spiritual pause button and reflect on the decisions that they make. And in certain cases, it's been too late and, and where on the road to success, there are a lot of leaders that made some poor mistakes and, and have paid for it. So my advice to the next generation leader is when you are up and coming, you are fast. You know, you're on a pace where you have this definition of success. And so I guess what I would counsel them on is to 
slow down or even hit the pause button and really develop wise decision-making skills. Because as you're coming up the ladder, you're going to make decisions that could have an impact on the trajectory of your life. And sometimes you just don't know it or you're a little bit blindsided. So as some examples, you may be on a fast track for business, but you may make, quite frankly, a poor choice in a wife. Or you may made a great choice in a wife, but maybe you neglected the marriage. Or you were having kids, but you got caught up in business and maybe were not the best dad growing up, you know, as you're going through the ranks. Hmm. And so it would be great to have a perspective on making wise life decisions, looking at it holistically, than just having the blinders on like I did, where you just had a rabbit in front of you and you were just gunning it as fast as you can. I throw caution to the wind to those emerging leaders. You just described me. <laughs> well, be careful, Larmy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I surround myself with you, Larry. <laughs> That's right. And if you neglect your child, I'm going to come down and beat the crap out of you. <laughs> you <do> that? <laughs> yeah. That's exactly why I love you, Larry. <laughs> so there. And it would That's be a right. shameless beating. <laughs> That's right. So I got to ask this, what's changed in terms of the people you're coaching since you first wrote the book? Has it evolved since you first started looking at this topic? Yes. <laughs> you know what first came to me? What changed? Yeah. What's I changed. I changed. Mm, that's good. You know, truth be told, you know, now looking back on it in my earlier days, I think two things I did poorly. One, when I was doing those retreats, Bottom line, I was doing what the whoever hired me to do, I was making peace just because I didn't want to ruffle feathers. So as a result, I would have been bolder in sharing the truth. And as a coach, I was probably being more directive in the beginning and helping people get from point A to point B. Hmm. And now I'm much the opposite where I'm definitely wanting to listen more and really understand the leader on a deeper level. And really, coaching is about drawing out God's best in them so they then could manifest that, their unique giftedness to the world, whether it's communicating it or doing it. So I'm better as a coach as it relates to that. But as it relates to the recipients, you know, initially when I coached, it was more surface. And when it got deeper into a faith, it was obviously deeper. And the big aha that I now have is that for 99% of the time when they hired me, they hired me for a business reason. But underlying every single time is a deeper personal spiritual reason. Hmm. So the big aha that I would share with your audience in a very practical way is that in every relationship and particularly in conflict, there's the material issue which is somewhat easy to get at. But underlying every material issue is a deeper personal issue, which is very hard to get at. And if you're a good coach or a good facilitator, it'd be really important to stay with trying to get at that deeper issue, because otherwise you're just hacking at the leaves and never getting to the root of the problem. Wow. That's really insightful, Larry. And I think it also applies not only if you're a coach or a facilitator, but even if you're just a leader and you're facing a challenge and you need to look mm. deeper than just the challenge itself, because mm. 
I think that is one of the things that we can do to bring faith into the workplace is to recognize God's sovereignty and the fact that there's spiritual issues that go on in all of relationships that we have with people. After all, people are spiritual beings. Yes, yes. Very valuable point. I mean, if you look at life, but also business is about relationships, but generally most leaders and most people suck at relationships. (laughs) A lot of times for leaders, they're good task-oriented individuals, and there's a lot on the plate. And sometimes they don't take the time to really understand employees and other leaders. And again, developing that understanding as a leader and developing relationships is very important because underlying, as you just mentioned, Larry, there's a spiritual component and probably one of the greatest issues facing businesses today amongst employees is a tremendous issue regarding disengagement. And because twofold. Number one, leadership has not been able to connect the business with a deeper sense of purpose Mm -hmm. that engages people. Mm -hmm. But secondly, they don't allow individuals to allow their own purpose to connect with the business. Mm -hmm. So there's a disconnect and people are looking for meaning and purpose beyond earning a paycheck. So part of the leader's role today is the ability to connect the dots on that. Yeah. And that's a pretty big issue. It is a big issue. I think you're right about leaders generally not doing well with relationships. And it's the old leading would be easy if it weren't for the people. Right. You know, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. And we yeah. are often just problem oriented. How do we solve something? How do we get through something? And as you mentioned earlier, and I think your advice to the millennials is to be holistic in thinking about slowing down and considering how all the pieces of our lives are affected by what we do. Yes, so, it is. It's very important. Larry, I got to ask this question because you just pointed out something really important, which is chopping at the leaves versus chopping at the roots. Was it this whole thing going after the roots that caused you or was that the catalyst to you launching the leadership roundtable? Yes, it was. It was um, there are a couple of defining things that happened. I remember one of them You know, related back in 2009, I was doing a speaking engagement. Actually, it was a very wealthy people in New Canaan, Connecticut. Hmm. And I literally did this program on October 26th. You know, it was the worst week where the economic crisis and the stock market fell, of which a third of these guys worked on Wall Street. And in a heartbeat, they lost their fortune. Hmm. And I remember asking the question about integrating work and faith. And then I said something like, well, in this recent crisis, what was the greatest issue that you face? And I see these guys (laughs) scribbling on this piece of paper as fast as they can. And I gathered up all their notes. And then I was taking the train back to New York City. As I was reading that, I was in awe almost of the level of angst, how this crisis impacted them. And their answers were, quite frankly, they were kind of crazy. They really were. Hmm. And so I learned that if you really want to get towards what is success and significance, I think you need to get deeper in terms of, you know, what is the spiritual core of who you are? And it goes way beyond your job. And Mm -hmm. so it helps you redefine your identity as an individual, really what your calling is, you know, what is the core value that you bring to the world and how do you manifest that? And so part of the roundtable is helping each other 
find and fulfill their calling. And I remember we had a guy that I, who I, has been a wonderful mentor of mine, a guy named, a guy named Dr. Oz Guinness. And I remember we Skyped him in. And I remember him saying one statement that just hit home with me. He said that, how are you guys going to help each other find and fulfill your calling? But also, how do you hold your feet to the fire to make that thing happen? And that was pretty profound for me because I think when you're in your calling, now you're living a life of purpose and there's responsibility, just like in the Bible that, you know, you've been given gifts and talents and it is so easy to waste that. You could waste your gifts if you're not literally on purpose. Hmm. And part of the roundtable helps people get connected and held accountable to what really matters in this life. It's not just making the next fourth quarter. Yeah. Right and on. so I think that's the most powerful thing I kind of driven me to do in that leadership roundtable. Here's what I found interesting about the leadership roundtable. And right after this, I'm going to ask you to challenge us. But what I found interesting about your leadership roundtable is the significance of the people that were sitting around that table. I mean, you have former governors, current governors of state of Minnesota. You have some of the biggest CEOs of the biggest businesses in Minnesota I mean, you had some very significant people sitting around that table. And I, what I realized is regardless how different their businesses were or how different their personalities were or how different their attitudes were, or how different their drives were, there was something that was so core to each one of them. And it all surrounded around the way that you facilitated it. And I don't know if they found out too late or they just were getting onto it, but there was this laser focus on their spirituality and speaking to each one of them, it was bringing balance to their life. It was bringing balance to their marriages, bringing balance to their leadership, their work life, their fathering life, or whatever it was. That spiritual component was common denominator across everybody sitting there. And I know you just recently opened it up so that emerging leaders can be in there, which is extremely exciting for me. So thank you for doing that. But have you found it that there is less interest now in this topic of integrating work and faith with my generation than it was back in the 90s? That's a great question. So part of that I can share with you is back in the 90s, some of the, I won't mention some of these leaders that have become pretty significant, but some of them were in very similar situations to me. They were in their late 30s, had gone through some Thing, whether it was a divorce or an addiction or something where let's say that they were humbled and found the Lord and then had this, you know, came away from that with this greater sense of purpose. And to this day, that grows. So that tells you something. Now, the other thing is and I can only speak for my generation, which is, let's say, the baby boomer generation is that greater, that sense of purpose grows because where you may have a full life and you're in the first quarter, the second quarter, you know, I think I'm even past the halftime, I'm in the fourth quarter. So I think it creates even a greater sense of purpose to live on purpose in the whatever time I have right now. You know, I see people, you know, that quote here today and gone tomorrow, life is short. And that I go back often to the scripture that says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may have a heart of wisdom. That's right. And it sounds a little trite, but I do believe that if you could live literally one 
day at a time, one moment at a time, with a desire for listening and hearing God's presence in each and every day and living on purpose, I think that really matters to a lot of leaders. And so it changes their trajectory. And as it relates to the emerging leaders, maybe they're not going to be doing that because they're in the weeds. They're just like you. You're starting a business. You're having a child. You've got a lot going on. But your identity and you've been uniquely created by God to do something of purpose on this earth. Hmm. And the process of figuring that out creates a level of a deeper sense of purpose and focus when the hard times hit. Hmm. And that's where we are to live this life of perseverance sometimes. It's not a rosy, straight line, but you do need to move in the direction, kind of that one degree shift towards your North Star. It's easier to start younger than get off course and start at 60. Yeah, well, that's a good place right now to tee up a challenge for our listening audience. What have you got for us? Sure. My challenge to the audience goes back to this whole concept of relationships. This was some insight that I gained from a gentleman named Ken Sandy. How can I build passport with those with whom I desire a deeper relationship? And a passport, as he defined it is, if you think of going to another country, you need a passport that gives you the right to enter into that country. Mm -hmm. Well, similar to relationships, you need to earn the right or earn the trust to enter into a deeper relationship with someone else. And so if you think of the recipient that you're going to have a relationship with, they're going to ask questions like, can I trust you? Do you really love me? Can you really help me? Mm-hmm. And I found that in today's world, there's a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. And if you as a leader know how to develop trusting relationships, you gain in every aspect of your life, whether it's a dad, husband, wife, you know, CEO, doesn't matter. So that's the most practical thing. Just literally when you're meeting any person, How do you build passport? How do you build trust? Or as the adage goes, people need to know that you care before they care what you think. Yeah. So how do you do that? That's great. Well, so you're challenging us to stay attentive to when we meet with people to figure out how we can build the bridge, that passport that you're talking about that allows us to gain access to have that conversation at a deeper spiritual level. It's like emotional intelligence on steroids with with spirituality. That's great. It's how can you be actively attentive, actively aware, intentionally wanting to love and support that person. So it's a real intentionality behind it. Yeah, right on. Well, that's all the time we have, Larry. We thank you for being on the show. But tell me before we get off, how can our audience find you on the web? www.larryjulian.com. And that's L-A-R-R-Y, not like the way I spell my name, but L-A-R-R-Y-J-U-L-I-A-N.com. Larry, I want to say thank you again for being a part of the show. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with uh, two good friends. 
Yeah, finally we got you on here, and we're so glad that we're able to do that. You'll find the show notes at reinventure.me slash 67. You'll also find us on Twitter at reinventureme and Facebook and LinkedIn and Google Plus and all those places that you can hang out with us. We do post videos on Facebook and those places as well, so you can see kind of what's coming in the following week. You can also go to our website at reinventure.me, sign up to receive our show notes sent to you by email. But we really, don't we like this, Armin? Indeed we, we do. We really like it when you send us an email or comment on the show or to leave us a phone message at 612-314-5447 with questions or comments or anything you want to let us know. Just tell us you're out there and alive, and we love it too when you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. But that's all the time that we have. We're, we're so thankful for our guest, Larry Julian, and for this show and for all of you listening, Armin Asadi. And Larry Gates saying so long. <laughs>